Lord. So tonight, uh, Pastor Duvall is bringing the word, but I'm up here just to kind of help him bring the word, I guess. That's really not the correct description. Please help me. Please but, help I, me. but I'm going to be up here. Pastor Duvall has asked me uh, to join him tonight. So we're going to be talking about consecration. If you've got a notebook, if you've got notes uh, app available on your phone, I would encourage you to take some notes tonight. Uh, Pastor Duvall walked me through some of his notes uh, yesterday, and it's powerful. I took notes, not for myself tonight, but just for myself in general, because I need, I need to have this in my life. So if you've got a notebook, if you've got a notebook and pen or anything like that, please uh, make yourself available tonight. We're going to be talking about protecting the consecration. Protecting the consecration. We've just come out of camp season. If you'll notice, Pastor Urshan is uh, not here again tonight. It's one of those times where he's just out preaching and ministering. We just got back from North American Youth Congress. We took 90, there were 95 people from Tree of Life represented at uh, NAYC this past week. Uh, At Ohio Youth Camps, we had three students receive the Holy Ghost at youth camps. We had a number of students refilled. An an awesome testimony, Amen. amen. Sister, Sister Autumn received the Holy Ghost for the first time at Ohio camp, and she called her family and told them. And her great-grandpa, Brother Ken Wilson, who plays the trumpet on our, on our platform tonight, praise the Lord. Uh, he said, you know what? He said, where did you get the Holy Ghost? So she told him where she got the Holy Ghost. And he said, that's the same spot that I got the Holy Ghost so many years ago. Awesome. It's from generation to generation. Amen. Thank and you, I'm thankful for that. Thank we you, had three Lord. students receive the Holy Ghost at camp. Numerous refilled. We had three students receive the Holy Ghost at Youth Congress uh, this past week. I see a couple of them in the house tonight, just full of the Holy Ghost, and numerous baptized again in his spirit. You know, sometimes you just catch the Holy Ghost like a drive-by and you just, you just grabbed it real quick. I saw students that were like baptized, like on the floor underneath the, the stadium seating, baptized in the Holy Ghost, and I'm thankful for those moments. Amen. However, it's not Youth Congress today. And some said, praise God for that. It was a week ago already that we were in the middle of a worship service in, in St. Louis. And so we, it's, it's in those times where we come out of those camp season moments. It's in, in those times we come out of conference moments or, or a, a dy- dynamic, powerful Sunday morning service. Maybe you encountered that this week where you had a great moment in the altar on Sunday and then the Monday morning alarm clock went off and you were like, can I just go back to Sunday? Can I just be back in that place? And there's moments of sacrifice and devotion and landmark moments. I'll steal one of Brother Brian's terms, the landmark moments. Yeah. And it's so important that we protect those moments continually. When we go from this place, when we go from wherever that moment was, maybe it was at a family camp where there was a healing service, it's important that we go from those moments and protect that landmark, protect that consecration. So, Pastor Duvall, welcome to the conversation. Hey, As we dive in tonight, what are, what are some uh, things that you think about when we talk about consecration, devotion, uh, landmark moments? Wow. Well, my mind goes back to some of the events. They used to do that stuff way back then, too. I don't, I don't know if you know that. And um, some of those events. And, and I have some really comical memories. Um, should I do that? I don't want to break the tempo here, but I'm going to bring one up Um, because if you can catch this visual, it'll bless you on a level that the rest of tonight might not. It'll bless you with like a a chuckle. Yeah. And um, I I do want to say, I really appreciate the venue and I'm so thankful to our our church body pastor uh, and our ministry team have talked for some time about on family night, having a conversation that we can invite the assembly into. And so that's really what this is about. So to Tyler's question, I do need to point out that back in the day, 
at the National Youth Convention, there was an event you could sign up for. It was a talent show. And it was a, yeah, Brother Sizemore, I'm going there. You can't, you can't nod me off. I'm going to look over here. It was, and, and see, Pastor Sizemore and I, we've been friends a long time. And um, the Lord has sealed a lot that, that doesn't come out. But this is coming out, okay? And um, we signed up to do a DC Talk rap song. God is doing a new thing. Yeah. And, um, and we're like 15 maybe. And we signed up under the name the Dumors, the, the Duvall Sizemores, because that's extraordinarily creative. And so, you know, it's like the midnight talent show, literally. It started at like midnight and went to like 2 a.m. And um, I don't think I'll ever forget that. No one was slain in the spirit. Um, but, but there is a line in the song where I was, we had, we had planned some choreography which you know that, um, you know, the Lord was gonna show up and, and display how he felt about that. Sure, sure, sure. So we had this choreographic moment where the, the lyric said, I lose sight, I fall back. And I was supposed to fall back and he was supposed to push me back forward. And as I'm falling back, I looked in sheer terror 30 feet to my right, he's, he's somewhere else on the stage, you know, just going crazy. And, um, and I fell back, yeah. So, but in all seriousness, I hope, I hope you uh, allow me to just share just a, a personal moment. But in all seriousness, I look back on those moments, landmark moments, moments of consecration, as you put it, Tyler. Um, and I think about an altar at a camp meeting and I remember the fibers of the carpet, they were red and black. And um, I remember in that moment, pouring myself out to God, asking him about calling and future and telling him, Lord, I will serve in youth ministry as long as you will let me remember what it's like to feel in this moment. And I remember him imparting this just like incredible, perceptive, empathetic spirit that he used over the next number of years for me to connect with young people. And it happened at one of those moments, in one of those moments. I remember, and I'm gonna speed along, Scott Graham, who's now serving as official, I believe in the Sunday School District nationally, I think, or Sunday School Ministries, not district. So I guess old youth guys go to Sunday School. I don't know what that's about. And, um, and so he preached a message about grace and truth. The word of God became flesh and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And the object lesson that he had, Brother Tyler, is he had two young people come up and get on their hands and knees. One of them was grace and one was truth. And he stood on the backs of those young people. And he preached a message and then he asked them each to respectively step away and he tried to stand on their back with one, one leg and, and it was a fail from go. And he said, if the church is ever going to show the world the glory of God, they have to be full of grace and truth. I'll never forget that. And, and today in, in, in the world, when we get into like liberal debate, legalism debate, 
conservative, whatever the case may be. I'm harking back, it tethered me. It was a good word that was fitly framed. And, and it was a seed in my life that grew up. And, and I'm so thankful for those moments. And I could go on and on. One more that's spiritual and comical. We had a friend, Pastor Sizemore and I, my wife, many of our young people, we had a, a pretty thriving youth group back in the day who had been seeking the Holy Ghost, I think for 112 years, I'm not sure, and uh, still in the youth group. And um, I remember the night that he received it, our entire youth group was running the aisles. And, and everyone was so exuberant that, that our buddy received the gift of the Holy Ghost and he was exuberant. And we were like, we can finally go out to eat after church now, you know, because, because we were always tearing in the altar, shutting the, shutting the restaurants down. But those moments are precious. And, and here's the thing, in scripture, there's like cousins to consecration. There's dimensions to consecration. You, you think of things like endurance. You think of things like sacrifice. You think of things like uh, holding on. And we find Jesus in Matthew saying, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Something has to be consecrated there if you're gonna make it all the way. And pastor, I think, even mentioned this past Sunday. He was talking about some of the old songs that used to be sung. Uh, uh, I am determined to hold out till the end. And we used to sing an old one. I'm gonna make it all the way home someday. And I think that that's been redone six or seven different ways about making it to heaven. But Paul charges Timothy in his second letter. He says, you've got to endure like a good soldier. You've got to endure like a good soldier. It's not always going to be 30,000 people declaring the name of Jesus in an arena. There's gonna be a time when you've got to endure like a good soldier. And uh, Paul, of course, in Romans, I would therefore, brethren, beseech you, I would therefore, therefore, brethren, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to the Lord. And then he goes on to say something that, it'll get you. He says, which is your reasonable service? And so this idea of consecration, it's a reasonable idea. And, and of course, um, Ephesians, uh, Paul charges us to stand. When you're done standing, when your knees are knocking, when you're feeble, Brother Diley, I have one more directive, stand there for. And, and so it's important that we take time and we talk about what is it that has to be in us that is the staying power, that is the difference maker, that we are going from glory to glory and not glory to, and then clambering back to glory. But no, but that we're growing and that we're stronger and that we're, we're maturing in the faith. And if you look at the Old Testament, I think of uh, David's mighty men and uh, Eleazar. He's out there fighting the Philistines until his hand, it, it waxes sore and he doesn't stop. And the Bible says it clave to the sword. He couldn't even put it down. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know where I'll be in 20, 30 years, but I hope that if my hand is gnarled, if it's arthritic, I hope you'll find the sword of the spirit in it. I hope that I'll be holding on and I'll have protected the consecration that I've made to my God. And... Um, the prophet Isaiah, he, 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 he's uh, prophesying about the Savior to come. And, and he says that Christ had set his face like a flint. This was not 
a reference to him setting him safe, his face like a flint when the palm leaves are being set before him and everyone's crying Hosanna. But it was when that was a landmark. It was when that was something that had passed. And now he's facing a moment where consecration and dedication is absolutely essential. And then my all-time favorite, this maps back. We'll bring it full circle. I'm gonna stop. We'll get about two questions in tonight, I think. So um, when I was a young man, a, a message was preached that I'll never forget. And it, it came from the text in Genesis 15. And I think we're gonna unpack that a little bit tonight. But here is a picture of God speaking to Abram reminding him that he's brought him out of the Ur of Chaldees and he says to him, I'm going to give you. Now, Abram has no seed. In fact, in this very same chapter, he's actually questioning, Lord, is it gonna be like one of the servants of my household seed that you're gonna bless? And he says, I'm gonna make your seed, Abraham, like the stars of the sky. The story unfolds and, and God charges Abraham to put some things on an altar. And can I just tell you that wherever there's promise, there's gonna be a charge to put some things on the altar. There will always be a charge from God to put some things on the altar when there is promise involved. And so Abram does exactly as God directs him to. And the scripture says something. It says that the fowls or the vultures, the scavengers came and they tried to drag the sacrifice off the altar. And this is probably my all-time favorite reference. And there's six dozen that we could go around the room and others could cite about consecration and, and, and about dedication. And the scripture says that Abraham went into the house and wept because the vultures took his sacrifice. No. <laughs> if you know the scripture, that is not at all what it says. It says that he drove the fowls away. He, I, I have this imagery of him just like waving his hands, maybe, maybe a staff too, let's just get, and he's like charging them. You can't take what's God's, leave it alone. That's there for him, it's not yours. And, um, and so today we have young people that are on a high or maybe they've crested and they're feeling like the pressure of the school year that's about to begin and they're back in the marketplace or you know, football's on the horizon so maybe they're distracted by that or whatever the case. But here, here is the thing, regardless of the vulture culture that's around us, we've got to protect what we've consecrated to God. Thank you, God. Thank well, you, God. There's your preview for the night of, of where we're headed. Um, a powerful word. I remember, I'll just give one of my memories. I remember my first youth congress, it was 2005, so I was uh, 14 at the time, I think. You can do the math. Uh, Pastor Urshan had preached. We were there like, you know, six hours early for service to make sure we could be in the front row of that, of that amazing basketball arena at the time. We weren't even in, that's how long ago this was, uh, in, in, in a football stadium. Pastor Urshan preached, and there was a worship service moment where I, somehow I got disconnected from the youth group. And I apologize to my youth pastor now, seeing back how dangerous that was. But in the middle of that worship moment, I remember just looking up and I had never experienced the power of God like that before. And I was at home a couple weeks later and I was listening to the song, All I Need Is You, All I Need Is You, Lord. And I thought, Lord, I, I just wanna feel, that's, I heard that song, Youth Congress, I just wanna feel that same power at home. 
and I was sitting alone at my desk with just the radio playing that song. And my family wasn't there. My youth pastor wasn't there. My pastor wasn't there laying hands on me. And I just started to weep. It was one of the first times I felt that moment of consecration continue from a landmark moment. I would encourage you tonight, that, that same power that you feel in those moments can go with you from those places. Thank you, Pastor Duvall, for opening up. I gotta. Do it. You were in the secret place, bro. Yes. That's the secret place. Yeah. You know, the old timers talked about the secret place and we're like, secret place, you know. It's not as popular anymore. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God abides under the shadow of the Almighty. And where there's not that communion, there's not relationship. Relationship is not revealed on Sunday. It's revealed in those moments of intimacy with God. And uh, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to point that out. Everyone wants to talk about the Sunday, the Sunday morning experience where, where God has given the promise to Abraham. Yeah. But no one's looking at the Tuesday at midnight where he's standing there driving the birds away yeah, in the middle amen. of the night. Amen. Amen. And that's where that relationship, that's where that relationship comes from. Uh, so as we, as we dig into Genesis 15, if you've got your Bibles, turn with yeah. us tonight to Genesis uh, Genesis 15. He's already kind of talked about that formula a little bit. Uh, is it okay if I go verse by verse? Is that okay yeah, for just man, a minute? Let's do it. Verse 5 of Genesis 15. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Now look toward the heaven. I know, congregation, that the Lord has had a moment like this with you. Look toward the heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. I know that the Lord has spoken things over your life, promises, just like he did to Abraham. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it righteousness. He counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of, uh, out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? He said, take me an heifer of three years old, a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Yeah. And he took unto him all these, and he divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another, but the birds he divided not. I know you had something in this scripture you wanted to unpack. Do you want to do that now, or you want to do that later? Well, well first of all, I, I do want to do it now, later, all the time. Every, every I, time. I, lo I love this, and, and I've read commentaries on it. None of them agree. Yeah. Um, you know, I was going to see if Brother Johnson, you know, he moved away, so we can't call him up here to get his take on what happened here, but there's some things I think the Lord has shown me. But I think, Brother Tyler, what sticks out to me is Abram hears this promise, and he does something that I think sometimes we fail to do. He says, Lord, how do I make that mine? There is an easy believism, there is a kind of a prevalence in our culture that you know every promise in the book is just gonna be in your mailbox tomorrow. Sure. But Abram, he didn't see it that way. He was like, I believe, I have faith. I have come out of my father's land. Yeah. So there's no, there's no question that he's like on board, right? But now he says, how do I know that this is actually gonna happen? And then as curious as I find that, God's answer I'll tell you how. I'm going to charge you to consecrate some things to me and your consecration is what is the response that will assure you the promise. And, and I don't, now that's my interpretation, right? And, and um, we can have more scholarly folks clean that up. But I think we would do well when we're seeking the Lord to ask him, what is it that you're looking for from me? 
What, how do I know? You know, Lord, I don't want to be 40 years in the wilderness. Like, like if we can make this 40 minutes, let's go that route, you know? And, And so God, show me what it is that you're looking for from me and, and complete that, that work. I think when, when David is anointed king and when you've got that promise of the Lord, David doesn't just go, okay, great, and then just yeah. go sit in his yeah. dad's lazy boy and just wait for it to happen. Right. There's still preparation that's gonna take place. And when the Lord speaks something to you, when that promise goes forth, when that word of the Lord goes into your life, we can't just say, wow, that was a great Sunday. I'm gonna go sit on it until it happens. Yeah. Go prepare, go consecrate. Lord, what can I do to make this mine today? How can I better prepare myself to inherit this promise? That's awesome, Brother Kovach. And I will say this, to, this is just a, kind of a, a, a commercial break for those of you that get into the word and that you like to take notes, you like to study it. Um, look for the word if, look for the word if. If you're, a, if you're one of those ones that marks your Bible up, circle if, and then as you're reading, look for the connection from the if to the then and see what God is saying. If you'll do this, then I will do this. A lot of times, if you're anything like me, you get preoccupied with your day and schedule and and everything that's going on and you just zoom through that word and you'll read over if then three or four times, you won't even like be conscious of it and we miss out on something. So that's just a, that's an old timer's trick here. I'll be the old timer. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's all right, you claimed it, not me. So the, the, if, we, if we want to be heard from heaven, if we want our land healed, if we, if we want our yeah. sins washed away, yeah. it's the if, my, if my people which if, are called by yeah. my name shall humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, then will I. Yeah. So look for those if and then moments. There's tons of them in scripture. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, a, that's an aside. Yeah. yeah. There, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so when we, when we look at these, uh, these sacrifices that he's making, a heifer of three years, a she-goat of three years, mm. a ram of three years, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon, and he made, he took unto him all these, and he divided them in the midst, laid each piece one against another, but the, deber- but the birds he divided not, yeah. and the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. Will you just break that apart a little bit for us? So there's three things that stick out to me, and then there's dimensions of the three, right? But there's three things that stick out to me here. First of all, your consecration to God is always going to include things that are separated or that are divided. And it's always gonna include things that need to stay whole. There can't be imbalance there. We, we have seen sex, S-E-C-T-S, <laughs> of religion get way off in left field or right because they emphasize what God has said keep whole and they ignore what God has said divide or separate from. And we've seen the opposite. People that'll give you a list a mile long of what's on the altar that's been severed. And man, I'm abstaining. I don't go in public without wearing a blindfold. I'll never behold an evil thing. But their family's a wreck. So, So that's the first thing that sticks out to me. One, there are things that God is calling us at camp meeting, at conference, on a Wednesday night. There are things that God is calling us to put on the altar and divide, separate from them, stay away from them. 
get them out of your life. Recognize the, those things. And then there's things that he's calling us to put on the altar. And he's saying, I need you to keep that in one piece. I'm making, I'm charging you to be a steward of that sacrifice, right? And, um, and then the third thing that's the most profound to me is understanding that the foul is coming. And I think, I think that, you know, we live in a very sensational society and I hope that this venue is okay for you tonight because, you know, I tend to get excitable and, and raise my voice or anything, but I just want to talk from my heart about where the vultures are because they're real and, and they come in different shapes and sizes. And, and to you know, Brother Tyler, if I, if I confessed, there's probably been times in my life when I was the vulture. There were things that people had consecrated to God and I was dragging them off their altar. And, and my relationship gave me access. And I didn't do it in a, in a spirit of trying to cause them to backslide or to lose out or to fail in consecration. But here's my point. Your family member, they could be a vulture. I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. We love them. We're one in Christ. I'm saying that there's actions. What God is calling you to consecrate, he doesn't call everyone to consecrate. And so those folks that haven't walked in your shoes and they haven't been down the path here, they haven't been alone, they haven't been in the secret place when he spoke to you about that, they may not be sensitive to it. And I see a lot of families that are being led where they're introducing the vulture of culture into their home and there's callings that are being crucified in their children's lives. Am I okay? Is everybody all right? I know this is kind of like adult. This can be a vulture. So mom and dad, be careful when you're constantly jamming it in your kid's hand. I ain't afraid of y'all. I'm just going to sit here. So... So when we talk about protecting our consecration, we need to understand where is the foul? Now, here's a little tip. Fowls and vultures, they're scavengers. They're always looking for carnage. You see the tufts of that head down in the entrails of that roadkill. And it hears the traffic coming and it pulls it up and shakes it off. And it's glistening in the sun from the entrails of the dead thing. Mom, dad, young person, if you want to keep the vulture out of your relationships and out of your home, be careful about the dead things that you're bringing in. And you say, well, what do you mean? There's a word for the dead thing, carnage. And there's a word for the dead thing, carnality. When we begin to entertain carnality, and, and please understand, I, I, I love to play a game, I love to beat you at it, and I love to laugh and clap my hands when it happens. Do y'all understand? And I believe in good fellowship. I'm talking about recognizing the vulture. I'm not saying everything's a vulture, I'm saying recognizing the vulture. And, um, 
And I think that's important. And I, I also, when I look at, and there are some commentaries that call this out. When I look at the heifer and the she-goat and the ram, there's a lot of different opinions there. I won't dwell on this very long. Um, some say they represent the different types of sacrifices to cover different types of sin. Some say they represent um, those things that were essentially anti-Christ. The great bull of Bashan surrounds Christ in, in the prophecy of Psalms and is, is, is uh, set to gore him. And so maybe that's the heifer. I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not a scholar. I don't know how exegetically sound that is, but I love the word exegetically. Um, but when I look at the dove, there are a couple things. The, the pigeon and the dove, there are a couple things that stick out to me. And since I was a boy and I heard this elaborated upon, it's really been a part of my person. God wrote it in my spirit. And, and I, it, it, even if one young person gets this, it'll be enough. The pigeon and the turtle dove are monogamous. They have one mate for life. There's only one love in their life. Season after season, they will mate. That nest will have eggs from the same he pigeon, she pigeon, he dove, she dove. This is not a common thing in the, in the animal kingdom. But it's representative of the wholeness that God wants us to keep on the altar. We are his bride. And this relationship we're in is a monogamous relationship. He doesn't want to share us with nobody. And if I'm going to reciprocate the love that he has shed abroad in my heart, I'm not going to share my affections with anybody but him. And he's not going to have to wander when he gets home. <laughs> Can I just use like a, a, a real analogy here, a figurative analogy? If I'm entertaining somebody else because I'm waiting to entertain him. And, and, and this is the essence, I think, again, give me a long leash here. I'm not Jewish, but I've been grafted in. Hallelujah. And this is the essence of that monogamous relationship. And it also speaks to, now, if you look at, I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited. I'm going to just have to slow down, okay? If you look at Ephesians 5, what does, what does Paul say that the husband-wife relationship is a reflection of? He says it is, a, it is the reflection of the mystery of Christ and his bride. And so I believe that the church, we are the standard bearers for family. We are the standard bearers for sanctity in our marriage. We are the standard bearers for love and honor between one another. Oh, Brian, how you doing on that? I'm, you know, see the teacher, right? But I'm probably a... I'm probably passing on a curve. What am I saying? I'm saying I got to protect my consecration. That's what I'm saying. It's not just a given that the first words out of my mouth when I walk in after work are going to be compliment and honor. But it should be. And, um, and so when you look at the unmarried, what does it look like for them to put 
these things on the altar. There's the purity. There's the waiting. And there is the love that's calling you away before your physical marriage, right? Your spiritual marriage to Christ. And um, so this sticks out to me. And so the dove is monogamous and, and those little points are made. Can, can, I, can I share one more? These lights are really bright. Big city. Yeah. Um, doves are granivores. Granivores. Where the fowl is looking for anything, they'll eat your bubblegum wrapper, you know. They'll eat the dead possum. They'll eat anything. The dove is much more discerning than that. And the dove is looking for herb that seed has yielded. And it's looking for seed itself. And I think there's some incredible symbolism here, and I hope I'm not out on the skinny branches too far, y'all. But just think with me for a minute. When I think about the dove, where do we see the dove in the New Testament? We see it descending upon the Word made flesh. And I can't, man, my spirit is stirred right now. If you want the dove to come around you, you're going to be in a place where the seed is plentiful. And, and I, I'm going to make a silly carnal reference just for those of you that already marked me off. I'm going to get you back and I might lose some on the other side. But I remember this scene in Home Alone where the homeless lady throws all the seed up and the pigeons and doves like come from everywhere and they're on the bad guys. And it's just silliness. But I see that in the spirit realm. This place is a place where the seed is multiplied. This is a place where the seed goes forth, where the word is preached. And if I'll get alone in my secret place and I'll open this book and I'll start letting that seed start to minister to me, it won't be long before the dove shows up. And I, I believe in my personal relationship with Christ that I've got to keep that whole. I can't go without my daily bread. Why? Because it's the seed. I don't want it to be divided. I don't want the dove to be divided in my life. I hope y'all are seeing the thread I'm trying to run, run through this. I feel like I need a whiteboard. But the bottom line is, when I look at that relationship, that granivore sticks out to me. There is a certain diet that the dove has, and I want the dove in my life. And if I am going to have the dove in my life, then I'm going to be serving what the dove wants to eat. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Is that all right, y'all? And so I'm getting into the word. I'm consuming that seed. I'm sharing and sowing that seed. And this is part of what it means to keep things whole. Keep things whole. Amen. So much goodness, so much spiritual value in there. It's, it's important that we're around people also that are sowing seed into our life. We have to be a light unto the world. That's non-negotiable. We right. have to be. Right. But we can't only be around people who are not believers in Christ and that might be a vulture in our own life. Yeah. Yeah. As you're also witnessing to those that you're working, maybe even in your home, also be around all those people that are sowing seed into your life. I've heard it said like, 
you know, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your future. If, if I showed you my five, my five closest friends, I hope it's people that are sowing seed into my life. Amen. That, are, that are helping me grow yeah. in my spiritual walk with God. Be around those people that are sowing seed into your life. Also, this is family night. So I'll talk to the husbands for a minute. Am I allowed to do that? I, I wish you would. It's yeah. like, I've only been married like nine years. Happy late anniversary Rookie. to my wife. I've only been a dad for like four and a half years, something like that. But let me just say this to the dads and the husbands. If the Lord has called you and your home to a certain consecration, mm. you are the one that needs to set that for your home. Yeah. It doesn't matter if my leadership pastor has not been called to that for his house. If God called me, that's, that's my measuring that's stick. Good. That's good. And, and don't, don't, even though Brian can be a, a, a one who is sowing seed, I could be over there and say, oh, well, his house maybe does this. And it's not even a bad thing, but God hasn't called that. Mm. God hasn't called me to that. Don't look around and say, well, Lord, you didn't call them to that. Yeah. And you didn't call them to that. So I'm not going to hold this standard in my life. Fathers and dads, if he has called you so to that standard and that consecration, you uphold that for your family. Yeah. You will have to, oh, this got heavy real quick. You will have to stand in judgment one day and answer for what you upheld yeah. in your own home. Because maybe while your kids are asleep and that sacrifice is there, the, the fowls show up, you've got to protect that. If the Lord has asked you to sacrifice that, I know, that was, that yeah. was no, heavy. I'm, no, I'm sorry. You're good. You're good, and thank you. And, and it's hard, Tyler. It's hard. If you have it easy and you come back to me and say it was easy, I'll be bitter. Because yeah. <laughs> we're this side of glory. And culture weighs on us. Influences and voices come from every direction. And the thing that I am utterly convinced of is I will not stand in judgment and have God ask me about what he called someone else to. That's right. He's gonna ask me about what he called me to. And I don't think when I'm in, when the weight of his glory is before me, I don't think I'm gonna say, well, so-and-so and they, I thank you for going there. I thank you for going there. What if Abraham, Abram, would have said, Lord, why do I gotta leave? Yeah. Er, why does so-and-so get to stay? And then once he gets out, well, why do I have to take a heifer and a she-goat and a ram and a yeah. turtle dove and a pigeon? Why don't, why don't they have to do that? And, and I, I just, um, what you're speaking is, is so valuable and I hope that we'll take it to heart. It's, it's powerful. I also saw this in scripture uh, yesterday or Monday when, when we were talking, and I love this, that the turtle dove and the young pigeon were the two things he has to keep together. You've, you've yeah. talked about that. And I saw Christ on the cross. If the, if the dove is representative of the spirit of Christ, and Jesus is the spirit made flesh, amen, and he was asked to be kept together. There was not a bone broken on his body when he became the ultimate sacrifice for us. So when you see that, I just, there's a little commercial break for you. I saw that the other day and I thought, my goodness, I can't I not, sh not share that. There's Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. He's in, verse, he's in chapter 15 of the first book of the Bible. I feel like you're getting a little of your pastor on you. I know. He'll be back on Sunday to clean Jesus it up. and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. so... Sorry, I don't, if I'm wrong, he'll clean it up. I, I do, I do apologize good. for that. Uh, so as we move into more of a, a practical statement, we've, we've, walked through these, we've walked through these scriptures. We've talked about what they mean. We've talked about uh, how they apply to Abraham, but it's family night. Yeah. How do we take this home? There, there's, my father-in-law has this phrase and, and I love it and I've kind of uh, adapted it to my own life. He says, there was a day of Pentecost and there was a day after Pentecost. 
Yeah, there's no amens for that, right? You want the day of Pentecost. You want the fire falling in the 120 in the upper room, and you want all that. But what we, do, what we forget about it is there was a day after Pentecost. And I don't know how far we get into uh, how many days after it was Acts 3 when they're on their way to the temple and they're just walking about, and Pentecost is still following. It's, it's just as important for there to be a day of after Pentecost in your life as there is a day of Pentecost. I love it. I got, I got to say this. So if Pentecost is Sunday... House to house is Monday. Marketplace is Monday. That's good. They continued steadfastly in prayer, going from house to house, breaking that bread. That's the day after Pentecost. Sunday's good, but we got to have Monday. We got to have Tuesday. We have to have that daily devotion, that daily consecration and separation from the world and unto Jesus Christ. That's why we've got to protect the consecration. So when we practically move into this, uh, family pastor, leadership pastor, my mentor, Brother Duvall, how do I apply that to my life? How, how can I take this home practically? My only regret tonight is the compliments you have lauded upon me. That's a heavy weight to bear. Um, thank you, Brother Tyler, sincerely. Someone say permanent. You know, this is the essence of what we're talking about tonight is this permanent, perpetual pursuit of godliness. I, I would encourage young people and I would encourage um, family members, fathers, mothers, I would encourage you to make permanent decisions for Christ. People say you don't ever wanna make a, a decision, a big decision, when you're in an emotional state. Let me say something. When you are at the altar, when you are in the presence of God, when the Holy Ghost is moving, that's not an emotional state. That is a state where you're probably hearing and seeing more clearly than you have at any other point in the week, in the month, okay? Don't be afraid to make permanent decisions. What do I mean by that? I can tell you one that, that is one of mine, and I, and I hope you have seen this demonstrated. If there's somebody worshiping, if there's a song being sung, if it is praise or prayer time in the house of the Lord, I will be praising or praying. That's so minor, because I could have got personal and told you some you know, in my daily routine, and maybe we'll get to that. But the bottom line is, make a permanent decision. I am a worshiper make a permanent decision, those things are off limits. Make a permanent decision. Here's another one, and, and people don't know what to think of this. Most people are gracious and they tolerate me. I believe in praying over my food in public. I, listen, listen, I, I wanna share something. It's not just because I'm thankful that I have food on my plate, because I am. But here's another thing. I've always wrestled with this. And again, I don't know how exegetically sound it is, but here's Jesus breaking bread and drinking wine. And we say he's celebrating the Passover. And he says, as oft as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So my question is, did he mean as oft as you do this, the Passover, or did he mean as often as you break bread and drink wine? because our boys were breaking bread and drinking wine all the time. And I, I, tend to, I tend to be in the camp that says, 
when you're breaking bread and drinking wine, when you pop that bag of Doritos open, when you, y'all with me, when you open the seal off that Marzetti's ranch dip, when you're unpacking that ben, Wendy's burger, whenever I'm ingesting sustenance for my body, I gotta remember that the sustenance of my soul is the body that was broken for me and the blood that was shed at Calvary. And, and, and you say, well, that sounds a little legalistic or it's, it's showmanship or you don't have to show out like that. I, 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 I gotta be honest, it's me. I want the Lord to know that in this moment, you're welcome here. I'm inviting you to this gathering. I want you to cover these people and I want you to feed my soul. And, and you know, it's so, uh, it seems so trivial that I would start by saying make permanent decisions. But my point is, if you'll start making permanent decisions, they will, they will yield other permanent decisions. And you will start navigating this life by a pattern that is going to be led of the Spirit, that the dove is going to visit. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so I, I would encourage us to make permanent decisions. I know that's still kind of vague. Let, let me share this. The psalmist says in Psalm 63, early will I seek thee, he also says in the same chapter, um, I will meditate. I'll meditate on you in the night watches. You know, Deuteronomy 6, the Shema is really all about consecration. How, if I want you to keep something foremost in your thinking and in your life, Tyler, how do I tell you to do that and give it practical application? I'm telling you, Tyler, when you put your glasses on, I want it to be in your eyes. Bind it like frontlets. I'm telling you, when you raise up and you're walking, I want you to write it on the doorpost of your home. I'm telling you, when your children are sitting around the table, bring it up and talk about it. How else is he supposed to say it? This is really the essence of consecration, that I'm living this life with a God conscience, with a God, with a God not just conscience, but I'm yielded to him. And, and, it's staying on the altar. It's staying on the altar. Um, wisdom, Proverbs, Proverbs. Um, if you seek me early, you will find me. This is wisdom speaking. One of the seven spirits of God. So, so where am I going now? Now I'm saying... And I know like we live in a culture that revolves around our kids. We got moms like kids get breakfast in bed and stuff. I, I don't, I was not raised that way. It's funny. I think our culture is showing some of the effects of that um, holistically. But, you know, when we show examples of how we start our day, we get up and we set the trajectory of the day. I want you to think of the archer with me for a second. He draws the bow back, the arrow's in it, and wherever it's pointed and at whatever angle, when he lets it fly, that's, that's where it's going. And here's what I'm saying. This is a word picture. I feel like your mornings are when you draw the bow back and you set the trajectory of the arrow. 
So if you're going to protect your consecration, I want you to consider donning the whole armor of God, praying. And I, I've heard a denominal, you know, charismatic minister talking about pray the can prayers, not the can't, meaning pray what you can. Pray what you can. People will routinely say, well, I just don't pray like you, or I, I don't, I'm not comfortable praying that way, or I can't pray for 40 minutes or uh, an hour. Then what can you do? Just pray. Just pray and pull that arrow back. You, you see what the trajectory of your day looks like when you give him the front end of that thing. It matters. It is the first fruits principle. We are charged all throughout scripture to give our first fruits to the Lord. They belong to the Lord. A tenth belongs to the Lord. The, this belong, And when we give the first fruits, what happened in the Old Testament law? Man, I'm so off track, but I love this. I'm just gonna have to pull my coattail. You know, the, the scripture said in the law, whatever breaks the matrix of the womb belongs to God. So the firstborn of that cattle, right? You put it on the altar and give it to God. And then what does the scripture say after that? Then it sanctifies everything that comes after that. How about a Monday that I put the first fruits of that day on the altar so that the rest of that day is sanctified? Y'all letting me make that parallel? He says, okay, wake up. And, and I just feel like if we can get that in our spirits as families and and. You know, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna say this. One of the greatest things we can do for our consecration is make our flesh uncomfortable. I am convicted and I am weary with the conversations and the content of what happens within the body and its fellowship outside of the sanctuary. when hours can be spent talking about frivolity and there's men and women in the room whose marriages are suffering, whose kids are wayward, whose coworkers are broken and all we can talk about is the emptiness of our world. You say, be real, Brian. Okay, I'll be real. Politics, sports, our favorite drama, and you say, you sound bitter. No, 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 I'm not bitter. I'm just, I'm just like journeying off into this imagination land. The creativity of the creator is in me, okay? And I'm saying, what if I was better at making my flesh uncomfortable? Pastor Terry Shock, great leader Terry Shock, he preached one of the most impactful messages that I've ever heard called, what's wrong with being spiritual? What's wrong with being spiritual? And encourage young people, when you're at Skyline, when you're at Swain Park, when you get, get together to play basketball, when you notice I keep like tilting a lot of this towards the, the boys, I'm sorry, but whatever it is that you're doing, Make your flesh uncomfortable and invite the Jesus conversation to the table. Invite the vulnerability of, can you guys pray for me about this? And I will tell you, I will tell you this, the times that I have gotten over myself 
and gone ahead and stepped out and I felt my face get a little flushed because I knew it wasn't gonna be welcomed by everybody in the room. God has shown up every time, every time. I remember one time Expressway Park, Brother John Wilson, we got a phone call, everybody's in that hut. You know, if y'all don't know what goes on Expressway Park, you have a chance to be a light, you know. They're all eating their burgers and drinking their beverages. And, and uh, I remember that phone call came in and we were kind of looking at each other like, wow, that's intense news and so-and-so's really hurting. And you know, I, I knew, it's like on all of our minds, you know. And I'm like, we need to pray right now. Man, it wasn't 30 seconds later, the glory is like, boom, Expressway Park's getting rocked, you know. The Holy Ghost, people speaking in tongues, tears begin to flow. And that's how quick God will respond when we'll just make our flesh uncomfortable. The too practical? Not too practical. Um, but, but don't be afraid to push your carnality around a little bit. You know, you know the one thing that cut dudes like built dudes, let me, let me, I'm trying to talk to every generation, uh, ripped young men, uh, strong, <laughs> masculine men. You, you know, one thing they have in common, they go to the gym. Like none of them, that just happened. None of them. Is it like, well, I went to this thing on Saturday and they talked for an hour and a half about working out. I woke up the next morning, I had abs, bro. That's not how it works. And it's not how it works in the spirit. We can come here and hear about working out, but we're gonna get cut out there when we consecrate things to the Lord. Amen. I, 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 I wanna give a really like overwhelmingly practical uh, item to everyone, servitude. Servitude will call you to a place of accountability. It's true in my life. This is the essence of procrastination. If you think about, now I know as a hard left, I'll come right back to the paved road. If there's no due date on things, when do we usually get it done? Thank you, Sister Keisha. We don't get it done because there's no due date, right? Servitude's a little bit like that. If I have to serve, I better study. I better pray. I better think about who's gonna be in the room and call their names out and ask God to be with us, right? And so I would encourage each of you, serve, serve, serve. Uh, find a way to serve. Young or old, find a way to serve. You, you know what? Tree of Life is known for a lot of things. Fast forward with me into a future where we have nine and 10-year-old kids teaching our three and four-year-old kids, and we have 15 and 16-year-old kids teaching our nine and 10-year-old kids, and we have our elders teaching our middle. Do you understand what I'm saying? And everybody is pouring into one another, and they're serving. There's, there's consecration that will be born out of that. It will just happen. Um, and I, I would also say this, I would also say, this will be the last, I'm gonna stop, Brother Tyler, I'm looking at the clock. Um, the, we live in a culture that doesn't like to be questioned, challenged, doesn't like to be told there's room for improvement. <laughs> Everybody gets a trophy, you know. 
you're out there picking your nose, chasing butterflies, you know, good job. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. That's not a good job. And, and so this bleeds into our spiritual walk. I would encourage you, no matter how old you are, don't be afraid of personal audit. Don't be afraid of introspection. Don't be afraid to ask yourself, is this, is this what Christ would want from me? Did that conversation go the way it should? And don't be afraid to go back and say, I'm sorry. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but I do want to make the point. When the word goes forth, it's for us as individuals. You know that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the preacher so preached the message for all of us. It's, it's applicable for me as a teacher, as an elder, as a whatever I, I, capacity I serve in as a leader, and it's applicable to Braylon Ray at six years old, my youngest daughter. She waved at me. So, so don't, don't be afraid of that. Again, that introspection and, and let defense die in you. There have been times when people pointed out something that was wrong in my life and boy, my flesh was raging and I wanted to tell them the six ways to Sunday they were wronger, you know. But then I'm just asking myself the question, are they right? Is it true? And let the defense die. And um, I just think all of these things are working together for our collective edification and they're moving us from glory to glory and we're becoming the consecrated church that God wants us to be when we embrace these things. I, I hope that's where you wanted me to go. I don't, I don't know. Absolutely. I think it's a very powerful thing to realize that there's, there's never a place that we reach where we're, we're done in Jesus. Yeah. There's never a place where we can say, I, I've done enough. I've served enough. I've been in enough church services. Enough should not be in, a, in our vocabulary. I, I've gone to the altar enough. I've sought the Holy Ghost enough. I've witnessed enough. We need to get that out. It, they think that David was an old man when he wrote the psalm that said, as the deer pants for the water, so does my soul long for thee. This is David. This is not a new convert who doesn't yet know Jesus Christ. Yeah. He, he, he's a man after God's own heart. And even though he's called a man after God's own heart, he's still panting for the water that is Jesus Christ. It, the, more you, the more you taste of him, the more you'll desire of him. Don't ever let yourself get to a place, and it'll happen without that introspection. Don't ever let yourself get to a place where you're like, I'm good. I'm comfortable in church. Make your flesh uncomfortable. Daily will I seek thee as a deer pants like I haven't had enough, I'm parched, I need more. As a deer pants for the water, so does my soul long after thee. Mm. It doesn't matter how long you've been in church, if tonight's your first night, welcome, we love you. Amen. If tonight's your 10,000th <laughs> night going to church, let your soul pant and long for the Lord. Amen.
It's so important. I wanted to bring in a proverb that you were starting to talk about there. Uh, Proverbs 7, my son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live and my law as the apple of your eye. Keep my law as the most prized possession that you own. Verse 3, bind them upon thy fingers. There it is again. Uh, Write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom, you are my sister and call understanding a close relative. Here's why. Here's why we do those things. Here's why we consecrate ourselves. Here's why we live in a state of communion. That they may keep thee from the strange woman. Yeah. And from the stranger which flattereth with her words. I don't know if there was any evil in the upper room on that day of Pentecost. But I guarantee when they walked out, there was something going, okay, now they're not in that powerful yeah. environment anymore. Yeah. Let, me just, let me just throw some flattering words out there. Another translation calls it the spirit of the loose woman. An adulterous woman, just trying to flattery with nice words, not with this evil darkness, but with something trying to pull you back in. Youth Congress is over. Camps are over. We're moving into it. We're going back to a state of comfortability into school year. And, you know, it's just we're kind of going to ease back in. That's an adulterous spirit. She's calling you away from that thing that is the wholeness of your relationship with Jesus Christ that Pastor Duvall talked about earlier. Write these things down. Keep his word in front of your eyes. In business, we'll talk about putting those post-it notes or writing whatever whatever your your daily things you are going to accomplish for that day. Put it in front of you. Let it be everywhere you go. That's a scriptural concept. Keep this law in your heart. Dads, keep this law on the doorposts. Moms, keep this law on the menu as the kids are eating food. Like, talk about it all the time. I know it's something he alluded to this. I know it's something that maybe if there's a conversation and you're starting to talk about Joe Burrow and his injury, that you're like, so we should steer this back the other way real quick. And you don't want to be the weird guy because we're all talking about the Bengals now. You don't want to be the guy that's like, hey, what did... Um, what did you feel pastor was talking to you about? What did you feel the Lord was talking to you about today when he talked about when God gathers or when he talked about the lad with a lot of weapons? And they're like, oh, we were talking about his ETA to get back on the field. And you're like, I, I know, I know. But I, like, Lord, let me be that guy. Amen. Let me be that guy. I, I, I don't, I, somebody's got to be that guy. Let me be the weird guy who's spiritual. Don't let there be anything wrong with being spiritual in your life. That message, what's wrong with being spiritual? Nothing. He said that came from one time they were at a, they were at a restaurant of preachers. They were at a restaurant at a table after a message. And they're all just starting to talk about things, just life and whatever. And somebody said, hey, he said, I apologize for, for being spiritual. I just have one more question. And that's when Brother Shock had that message from the Lord. What's wrong with being spiritual? We should not have to apologize, especially one to another, for steering the conversation back to the kingdom of God. Lord, help me. Lord, help us to create God's space, a a moment for God to move, as my youth pastor would call it. Let us be the ones who have that space in our life and create that space and conversation to continue talking about the things of God. That's awesome. That's awesome. You mentioned David and and his posture and panting and um, as as a deer panteth for the water brook. You know, when David did face a season of tremendous failure, just incredible failure. Uh, Something is revealed in his prayer that I I think we overlook a lot of times. You know, create in me a clean heart, oh God, uh, renew in me a right spirit. He goes on to say, he says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And 
I don't, I don't know who this is for, but it came to me right when you were, when you were speaking. Sometimes the sin that is harbored, it may even be secret or it may be presumptuous, like Psalm 19 says, is robbing us of joy and we don't know it. We don't know it. And the people around us, they can see that the countenance has fallen, that there's heaviness. David recognized that his transgression, it was connected to the lack of joy in his life. And he said, Lord, cleanse me. Make me new, make me over. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy, restore the joy. And uh, so he, he was living in this state where he was robbed of joy. And I, I believe that that is a direct reference to what he experienced when the transgression and the weight of it was upon him. When there's 30,000 people in an arena and they're speaking Jesus, consecration is not only easy, it's natural. It's almost as though I don't even have to think through it in that moment. It's like I'm in the presence of the Lord and in this great company of believers and the name of Jesus is being glorified and every spirit of oppression has been dispelled. Of course I'm laying things down. Of course I'm putting things on the altar. Of course, I'm determined to read the Bible this year. And of course, I'm going to witness to my neighbor. And of course, I'm going to change that habit or that time pass. Of, of course, I'm going to put my phone away before I go to bed. Of course, I'm going to. But that moment passes, Brother Tyler. And that's what we're talking about tonight. Protecting the consecration. I just have this image, I can't get it out of my head of Abram just running at the altar. I can see the veins in his neck protruding. I can hear the volume as he roars at the fowl and says, don't take that. And I can hear in that same moment, the fowl. They got to flee because someone was protecting the consecration. Maybe you've been in that moment in prayer where the Lord has spoke to you, said, I need you to get this out of your life. Mm. And you said, yes, I will. And then you went home and that, that moment fled. And you're like, well, maybe it, no, no, no. If he called you to it, I'm, I'm pleading with you, do it. Get back out there, wave your arms, shout, lift your voice, and remove the vultures. Protect the consecration. Would you stand with us tonight as we close and musicians can come? Amen, amen. I remember we came home from a youth congress 
four years ago now. And our students were just on fire. They were just lit up by the presence of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I, I preached, taught, spoke a message I called stoked. And my challenge was to them was that, that Holy Ghost, that fire that fell on the altar at Youth Congress, don't let it, don't let it burn out. There was a promise from the Lord to, that he would have fire fall on the altar and consume that sacrifice. But the fire wasn't going to fall until something was on the altar. Sure enough, the day would come where they would need to clean it up. And there was a whole thing where they needed to clean it up properly and, and change their clothes and their garments and remove the, the garbage and the ashes. And they needed to clean it properly. But then there would come another time that they needed to sacrifice something again. Your sacrifice last year cannot be your same sacrifice this year. Yeah, amen. He's going to call you to a, a greater level of consecration. He's going to call you to a greater level of sacrifice. That's how we get from glory to glory. Yeah. You don't go from this glory to this glory to this glory. You're moving up. You're moving yeah. higher and higher. Right. You're moving closer and closer to him. So your consecration, your sacrifice, your, the thing that you're putting on the altar to divide or to keep whole and that it can die is going to change from this year to next year. So I would ask you tonight, as we protect the consecration, what is it yeah. that the Lord has asked you to lay down? Maybe, it's, maybe it is a relationship you need to keep whole. Maybe it's something you need to divide and get out of your life. But what is it? And if you put it on the altar tonight or if you've already put it on the altar, protect that. Yeah. When the vultures come to eat away that carnage, that, that, that carne, that flesh, Amen. drive them away. Say, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to keep this thing happening. I'm going to perpetuate the moving of the Lord and the fire in my life. Would you lead us in an altar call? Thank you, Brother Kovach. And I just invite you, as the Spirit would, if, if, if the Lord has spoken to you tonight, I'm just going to ask you to come. We're not going to belabor it. We're going to uh, entertain His presence. And I would just charge you in this wise, ask yourself, ask yourself again, have I been, Lord, closer than I am right now? Have I given more? Have I, have I felt greater conviction? Have I had more intense resolution than I do right now. And I, and I know the format's different. I get it. Imagine if you were back 2,000 years ago. What was that format? We didn't even have mics. Just think about this season that we're in as a church. Young people, that desire that God put in your heart that was him putting it in your heart. It wasn't your imagination. It wasn't some sensational idea. That, that thought you had of revival or of sharing the word or of doing something great in the kingdom, that was spirit born. And here we are as we close out the summer, all the camps, the crusades, all of the, all of the conferences, and we have a special opportunity to memorialize everything that God has done and to say to him one more time, I'm not turning back. I have decided, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And I would just invite you now, I'm going to invite our praise singers to go ahead and sing and I'm going to pray a prayer and uh, whatever the response is tonight I, I would just challenge you talk to God 
It's not about me. It's not about Brother Kovach. It's not about who's standing next to you, but talk to him. What did he show you this summer? Where did he bring you to? What testimony did he establish? What victory was wrought in your life? Lord, I'm consecrating some things to you. Father, I stand before the Tree of Life Assembly. I feel your presence, Lord. It's palpable. And I know that you are near. And I pray that from young to old, Father, that every household, every relationship, every mother, every father, every daughter, every son, every sibling, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would move upon us and draw us into the place of promise. I pray that you would look down upon us and that you would see that the Tree of Life Church has separated themselves from things, God, that would take them into a place, God, that separates them from you, that they have kept hold, Lord, things that you have asked us to keep hold. And I pray that you would bless, that you would speak, Father, into our spirits now, that every calling, every gifting, Lord, every vision, Lord, that it would be in the forefront of our mind and of our spirits, God, that we would be arrested one more time by your glory, by the thought, Lord, of walking in you and living in you and being led of the Spirit, Lord, and hands that heal, God, and testimonies that liberate and light that shines, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would cover us, empower us, Lord, to the knowledge of God. I command it to be brought low, Lord, and that you would be exalted. To dawn, Lord Jesus, the, the breastplate of righteousness, God, that our hearts would be protected, God. That the righteousness, Lord, that comes from you, Lord, Jehovah God, our righteousness, that it would cover our hearts, Lord, that it would protect us. Lord, that you would make strong the arm, the spiritual arm to Lord, I'm trusting you with our future. I'm believing you for the miracles. Lord, I'm 
Jesus' name. Amen.